All right, last night, Omaha College World Series. The eyes of the college baseball world, really the eyes of the sports world, were upon OU and Notre Dame last night. Sunday night, primetime viewing in Omaha. The biggest game for OU baseball in over a decade, right? The atmosphere is insane. Everyone's watching. Everyone's tuned in. All this pressure on Cade Horton, who is really going through his first full year of college baseball. And on that stage and in that environment, this who guy who is still a young kid goes out there and shoves, absolutely shoves, maybe the best pitching performance so far in Omaha. Six innings, 11 strikeouts, which I think that was the most strikeouts by an OU pitcher since, what, Mark Redman and I think, 1994. Unbelievable, my big takeaway last night is uh, Cade Horton and what he continues to do on the mound, game in and game out. It seems like he's gotten better and better and better with every single start. And Parker Thune, we found out last night, at least uh, a lot of us found out last night, that he was really, like, nailed down his slider a few weeks ago in the Big 12 uh, tournament, right before that championship game against Texas. And he's pumping 97. He's got this filthy slider that he's throwing out. I know there's a lot of guys that we got to mention over the course of the next hour, last night's game and OU's around the College World Series. But what Cade Horton has done on the mound cannot be understated at all because in the list of most important guys up to this point, he's somewhere near the top what he's done in pressure-packed moments, and he was awesome, awesome, awesome again last night, dude. Well, and you see now, Tyler, why he was a top 50 MLB draft prospect coming out of high school, don't you? You saw the fastball velocity, 96, 97 miles an hour is where it was topping out. He had command of the slider. He had command of the curveball. He was mixing in the changeup. He had Notre Dame's hitters baffled all night. 11 strikeouts over the course of those six innings. The only blemish was the two-run homer by David LaManna, which was pretty inconsequential in the grand scheme. But, man, the Sooners needed a big performance from Cade Horton last night because this game was the difference between needing to win one game to advance the championship series and needing to win three games on three consecutive days to advance the championship series. So this was a pivotal contest for Oklahoma. They needed Cade Horton's best stuff, and he delivered in spades for this program. Man, what a performance from the youngster. And I I tell you what, Tyler, is there is there anybody left in this field right now that wants any part of this nah. Oklahoma baseball team? Because they are playing white-hot baseball. Yeah, I'm sure Arkansas fans would say, oh, we'll take Yon. Yeah, we ain't scared of the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, Arkansas, you got a knack of getting to the championship series and finding a way to, to blow that one. So if uh, if you want to see OU in the championship series, we can set that one up. That's, that's 100% okay with me. By the way, uh, good to talk to everyone. It's been like 10 days since I've done a radio show, so I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not sure if I remember how to do this. But that was an awesome environment last night, Parker. Uh, you were there at Charles Schwab Field in Omaha. Um, what, what, was the split, what did the split look like between OU and Notre Dame fans and everyone else? Were, were OU fans well represented? Because it, it sure sounded like they were. They were well represented, Tyler, but I told this to Mike, and I'll tell it to you. I, I really do think that for opening weekend, Notre Dame fans traveled better than any other fan base. Jeez. And that might just have to do with the fact that I don't have as good of a read on the Arkansas contingent or the Ole Miss contingent because I spent the vast majority of my time 
downtown in Omaha on Friday and Sunday when you had the other half of the bracket playing, but I was surprised and impressed by how well Notre Dame fans traveled. Don't want to take anything away from the OU faithful, though. They did travel well. They were rowdy last night as well as Friday afternoon when the Sooners defeated Texas A&M 13-8. And all in all, Tyler, you would have to figure that heading into this week with the Sooners now one game away from punching their ticket to the championship series, you're going to see more and more crimson-clad fans make their way to Omaha, set their work and vacation plans aside to make it up to the College World Series at Charles Schwab Field and watch Skip Johnson, this baseball team, because they are on the verge of doing something special here. I mean, who who would have figured that they would be anywhere close, that they they would even sniff a College World Series berth as recently as three or four weeks ago? Now, Tyler, you look at where they stand in – the scheme of things in the College World Series, the only 2-0 and team in the field thus far, one win away from advancing to that best-of-three final series and playing some of the best baseball that we've seen any team in the country play all year, it's almost a disappointment at this point if they don't wrap up a yeah. national title. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, at least make it to the championship series, right? I mean, because you are in, like Toby said last night on the call, you're in the catbird seat at this point. A&M and Notre Dame got to play another game, then they're going to have to turn around and beat you twice. You are going to be, thanks to performances by Jake Bennett, thanks to a performance last night by Kate Horton, Bullpen-wise, you are set up great. You're probably going to have David Sandlin throw on Wednesday, I'm guessing. So you are in far better pitching shape than either of those two teams. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it's definitely going to feel like a disappointment if they find a way to not make it to the championship series. But, Parker, this is one of those years where, you know, this felt like this tournament was as wide open as it's been in a long, long time. You didn't necessarily have a power program in this thing that had two top ten picks like maybe a Vanderbilt did What last year or the year before that. Um, it was a wide-open field with a lot of surprises that made it to Omaha. So OU is definitely in shape to, to win this thing. And last night's game was huge for all the reasons that you already talked about. But I think that Wednesday's game one is massive as well because if you get Sandlin out there, Sandlin gives you six, seven good innings. You can close it with Trevin Michael. And you can get to that championship series, Parker, without having to play the if necessary. Now what do you have? All of a sudden, you got Jake Bennett and Kate Horton, who are probably going to go one and two in that championship series. That's going to be massive for this team. Massive for this team. And I'll take Kate Horton up against anyone in that field right now, up on, on the bump. I, I, go ahead and bet on that. I, absolutely, I'll take that. So if you, you're in a good spot now. But, Parker, if you win on Wednesday, you are set up perfectly, man. And I mean perfectly for that championship series. I think at this point, you would actually hope that Notre Dame ends up prevailing against Texas A&M on Tuesday. Sure. Because that way, you can throw Jake Bennett against Notre Dame on Wednesday, and they haven't seen him yet. Texas A&M has seen Jake Bennett. So I feel like although Notre Dame was the hottest team not named Oklahoma heading into this College World Series, I almost feel like you want Notre Dame to be the team that you're squaring off with on Wednesday simply because they have not seen the left arm of Jake Bennett. And look, I was talking with several people up in the press box uh, heading into last night's game, Tyler, people with... No horse in the race either way. People who uh, either covered college baseball 
from a national perspective or covered other teams. They had uh, no previous knowledge or at least no detailed knowledge of either Oklahoma or Notre Dame. And the consensus uh, that was present in the press box, regardless of who I talked to, is, hey, whoever wins this game tonight between Oklahoma and Notre Dame is in the driver's seat to win this series because these look like the two best teams in college baseball right now. And so with Oklahoma prevailing 6-2 to two behind the right arm of Cade Horton, it's all right there in front of them. Yeah. And at this point, as long as they don't beat themselves, you got to feel really good about skipping the boys and their chances of bringing home a title in Norman, Oklahoma. Air Cover Solutions text line. Let's get it going. 405-651-3439. Peyton's up first. He says, sorry, just tuned in today. Is Parker sick? Sounds a tick different in the voice today. If he was a drinker, <laughs> I wonder if he got some of that 3-2 flu. Peyton, I'm with oh, you. I, I, Parker is not a drinker. I was hoping that the voice is because he is um, – partaken in the Jello shot challenge right now in Omaha. I, I believe currently OU has 300 up on the board. I was hoping that Parker was about 87 in on that Jello shot challenge, but I'm going to guess that's not the deal, huh? That is that is not the case. No, he, I, jinx, I jinxed myself, Tyler. You were on vacation, uh, obviously, last week, and I was doing the rush with Teddy Lehman. I think it was Monday that we happened to get on the topic of Losing your voice, and Teddy had mentioned that it had only ever happened to him once before, and he kind of went through the anecdote, and I told Teddy, I, you know, I've never lost my voice. It's just one <laughs> nice. of those things that has never happened to me. And lo and behold, one week later, here we are. And, like, I'm fine otherwise, Tyler. Like, I feel fine. I could, well, I'm not going to say I could go run a 5K right now because I would, I, I would have no desire to go run a 5K right now. But, like... I'm in fine physical condition otherwise. Uh, for whatever reason, my voice is definitely somewhat impaired, though. Not nearly as, as bad as it was yesterday. Yesterday I could barely talk. But I think Steely said I'm like a 7 out of 10 right now. I would probably concur with that. Uh, I, I can tell, as well as anybody, that my voice is not quite all there today. But we're going to power through. Uh, I'm going to be at Double Zero Pizzeria, which, by the way, uh, owned by a big Sooner fan, thus the name, Double Zero. Uh, going to be there for tomorrow's show. I'll be at Paisan's Pizzeria on Wednesday. So going to be uh, eating a lot of pizza nice. over the next couple days and doing a lot more radio here from Omaha as the Sooners get deeper and deeper into this 2022 College World Series. So hopefully this is the roughest day that there is for my voice uh, throughout this entire week. Well, on the uh, Jello Shot conversation, which I was really hoping that we would arrive at the Jello Shot conversation here in the oh, uh, first boy. segment, we are expecting a raucous environment tonight in Omaha between Arkansas and Ole Miss. But if Parker sounds like that after zero Jello Shots, what are <laughs> Arkansas fans going to sound like after three thousand four hundred and sixteen Jello Shots? And what are Ole Miss fans going to sound like after two thousand seven hundred and sixty-three Jello Shots? Now. More of those will be consumed today as both teams play later this evening. But going into today, after just three days at the College World Series, which, mind you, Arkansas has only played one game. Ole Miss has only played one game. Um, Rocco's, which this is the most brilliant thing I've ever seen before in my life. Oh, they're making so much money, If you Tyler. don't know, They're making so much money. If you don't know, all eight teams in the College World Series are up on a whiteboard. Um and they track each jello shot for every single school, so it comes. It, it, it's in a challenge. Thirty-five thousand 
$649 in Jello shops purchased just for the first three days of the College World Series in Arkansas and Ole Miss have only played one game. Wow. Dang. It is a party up there in Omaha. And Parker, I'm really having to fight myself, especially after uh, spending all last week in uh, on vacation. It's really hard not to uh, try to convince myself to head up north to Omaha for the championship series this weekend. I, on Were Monday, you... I, I really, really, really want to make it happen. But hotel rooms are like $1,500 a night up there right now. Were you in uh, Were you in Maui? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I was in uh, Maui all of last oh, week. Okay, so would, would you can do you consume any Hawaiian Jello shots there? Uh, no, but we. Um, I'll, I'll give you this. So, what my wife really wanted to do is she wanted to get a drink out of a pineapple as soon as we got there. Right, and that hey, that's cool. Like I, I'm, as I'm all does. in on that. Yeah. It, Hey, right when we get there, let's check in, let's go down and let's get a let's get a drink and a pineapple. Cool, I can get down with that. My first time to Maui, all win in Rome. Uh, absolutely. So, we go down and we get the drink and the pineapple and then I see a sign that's there. Not for the drink, guys. Not for the drink, just for the pineapple, which by the way, pineapples are pretty easy to find uh, in the state of Hawaii in case you didn't know. Just for the hollowed out pineapple $23 a piece. Then, then whatever the drink cost, uh, it was it was $80 for that was my welcome to Maui. $80 for two drinks. God. I don't even know if I have enough money to make it up to Omaha this weekend, Parker. Man, okay, so this comes on the heels of Teddy complaining all week about how expensive his Disney vacation was. So this is becoming a common thread among the ref uh, on air lineup. Yeah, well, I'm sure he didn't pay $50 for two empty pineapples. I mean, that was... It was really good, I gotta say, but was it $80 good? I don't, there's a reason why that was the only time on the trip that uh, we did that. Alright, all right, let's get it going on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Oh yeah, talking a lot of College World Series today, but we're also going to hit some Cruton. We'll hit some college football as well. So keep it locked right here on Locked In with McComas and Thune. We're live on the ref. It's the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Update in Omaha. This is the elimination game, game one of the day. Stanford up on Auburn. Two to nothing in the top of the fifth. Auburn is at the plate. Runner at second. Nobody out. So let's see if uh, Tigers can uh, play a couple runs here in the top of the fifth in uh, this elimination game. To the Air Comfort Solutions text line we go. A comment on uh, Notre Dame fans and how well they've traveled. Um, they don't just travel. They have Catholic fans in every city. Nothing wrong with that at all, but it is true. Like, yes, I mean, even still today, um, Notre Dame fans have fans at every single section of the country. And you know how it works, too, Parker. There's a, you know, especially with Catholics, it's, you know, maybe Notre Dame isn't number one all the time. You know, maybe some OU fan. I don't know. I don't know. OU fans may not be a great example. But maybe you're a real big fan of another college program, but with your Catholic background, Notre Dame has always been a team that you root for. Case in point, I mean, they, they don't ever struggle to find fans is, is the real point here. The, the text is right. Yes, exactly. And, again, Notre Dame, regardless of how far their fans have come, and they have fans all over the place. It's not as if the Notre Dame faithful are concentrated in South Bend, but – uh, they came en masse for the College World Series, and I would figure they'll stick around because their team is playing some really good baseball. Obviously, they came up with the Super Regional upset 
of Tennessee. And I like Notre Dame to overcome Texas A&M and keep this thing alive heading into a Wednesday grudge match with Oklahoma. The nice thing for OU, well, I, I, I say it's the nice thing. These things can go. There's a very obvious plus, a very obvious minus, a very obvious pro and a con in any case. But regardless of Oklahoma's opponent on Wednesday, is going to be a team that they've already seen and defeated thus far in Omaha. So on the one hand, you feel good about the fact that Oklahoma knows what they're getting in either of these opponents. But one of the things that we talk about so often, Tyler, and it is the reality in any sport, not just baseball, not just football, not just basketball, but in any sport, it is so difficult to beat a team twice. And it doesn't always matter. It doesn't always carry a whole lot of weight, regardless of uh, what the talent discrepancy between those two programs are or uh, how much better coached one team is than another. There's just something about playing a team twice that makes it very, very difficult uh, to get the job done twice in a row against the same opponent. Now, this works in Oklahoma's favor, though, because whoever they end up facing, Notre Dame or Texas A&M, is going to have to beat them twice to knock the Sooners out of the season. And they're probably not going to have the luxury of throwing a weekend starter in either one of those games. Um, OU is going to have the luxury. I mean, if they want to, and I think that they probably will in, in game one on Wednesday, if they want, OU can throw David Sandlin, who's essentially been their Saturday starter, their number two this year. Um, so that, that's that's a luxury that the other teams don't have right now. So so that's pretty big. Kendall says this baseball team has dry ice in the veins, absolute stone cold killers. You know, I I thought this last night watching the game, and here's what I probably love the most about this OU baseball team is, you know. In the Southeast, SEC fan bases, their love for the sport of college baseball has not wavered. I mean, they, they it's it's college football one in a lot of places, in most places down there. It's not college hoops number two. It's not softball number two. It's college baseball's number two. But in other regions of the country, it feels like because the game is slow, you know? I mean, it takes a while for a college baseball game you know, to get through things, um, that the popularity across the country has dropped a little bit. This OU baseball team, I mean, they, they, they use the word all the time, chaos, but they're extremely fun to watch, man. They are aggressive on the base paths. Um, they're a good-hitting team. They've just got a lot of energy to them. You know, Parker, they're not one of those teams that just kind of sits back and takes a lot of time. Like last night, you saw Kate Horton get right back on out on the bump after throwing a pitch. The game was moving relatively uh, relatively quick last night. It was an exciting game. There was great defensive plays. They're running all over the place. This is just a fun, exciting team to watch. And I think one that a lot of OU fans are saying, well, maybe my interest in the overall sport has dropped, but I like watching these guys because they're an energetic bunch and they're, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. Well, and... <laughs> That's what that's what has gotten so many people on the bandwagon with OU baseball down the stretch here is just because they are such a fun baseball team. They don't rely on one single guy. It's not like they have a meal ticket hitter or a meal ticket pitcher. They just fight tooth and nail and scratch and claw their way to wins. And you saw it you saw them win two baseball games to open the CWS in two very different fashions, right? It was a slugfest against Texas A&M. He got a three-run homer from Jimmy Cooks, 
or Crooks, excuse me. You got the grand slam from Jackson Nicholas. You needed those big swings to lift you over a team like Texas A&M. But against Notre Dame, guess what? You had to play small ball. I think the Sooners had two extra base hits last night, a double from Sebastian Orduño and a double from Jackson Nicholas. Other than that, man, it was walks, singles, errors, squeeze bunts. Yep. That's what got the that's what got six runs across for the Sooners. And when you have a guy on the mound in Cade Horton who is dealing the way that he's dealing, sometimes you don't need all that much run support in order to come they out of the They had a slash play ends. last night, Parker. Like you don't see the slash play anymore in baseball. It's a beautiful play. It's one of my favorite plays, but it, it's got to be perfectly executed to work. I mean, they're they're doing that and I know that a lot of people were upset last night were, you know, getting the first and third outs at third base. Hey, I was upset. Trust me. I was screaming with all of my buddies last night, too. But that's how they play, man. Chaos is the word that they use, and that was the bad side of it. But you also saw the good side of it in that game, Parker, because with as aggressive as they are on the base paths, this is how baseball works at any level. That creates mistakes by your opponent. And that safety squeeze last night, not only did they get one run across, they got two runs across because what the pitcher threw it up the right field line. So I know everyone's hung out, uh, hung up on getting both of those outs at third base. I'm not saying that that is something that needs to continue moving forward. But what I'm saying is, even though that was bad, they do create other opportunities because, again, you're aggressive. And we saw Notre Dame throw it around a little bit last night. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's... This is emblematic of the Sooners' approach as a baseball team. It is about executing your job. It is about doing your job, and it is about waiting for the opponent to blink. It is about forcing the opponent to go make a play. Notre Dame struck out 14 times last night. They just weren't putting the ball in play. They didn't give Oklahoma the opportunity to make defensive mistakes and to help them out by getting runners on base or moving runners into scoring position. Oklahoma forced the issue with the Notre Dame pitching staff and the Notre Dame defense. They were patient at the plate. They drew walks. They were aggressive on the base paths. They moved runners around via the bunt. And so when you are pressing and you are forcing the issue, and we know the Reggie Willits mentality at Oklahoma is chaos. When you are creating chaos, it is so easy, it is so much easier in that context, for the defense to slip up. And they did last night, several times, most notably on that squeeze play that turned into two runs and three bases for Oklahoma. Yeah, you just get sped up as a position player. And when you get sped up as a position player, the routine plays, well, maybe they don't always go so routine when you got someone that's uh, really aggressive uh, running the bases. All right, uh, first Cruton question today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Since OU got Caleb Hicks, What's the chances of Anthony Hill? Um, In case you missed it last week, four-star running back Caleb Hicks commits to OU. That was big news. Does that have any impact at all, though, Parker, on getting five-star linebacker Anthony Hill? Yeah, I would say it has an impact. Um, I, I would stop short of suggesting that Caleb Hicks and Anthony Hill are going to be a package deal. I don't think just because... Oklahoma got the commitment from Caleb Hicks that they're automatically going to be in the driver's seat to land Anthony Hill. I am still skeptical. I am still very tentative about Oklahoma standing in this recruitment. 
this is still a recruitment that has always felt like it's pointed in the direction of Texas A&M to me. That's not to say that things can't or won't change, but I do think Oklahoma still has some ground to make up. Definitely a step in the right direction, gaining the commitment of Caleb Hicks, though, because now you have two of Anthony Hill's former Denton Ryan teammates, or slash current Denton Ryan teammates, uh, locked in with Oklahoma in Caleb Hicks and Billy Bowman. Yeah. By the way, OU right now in the 2023 class, they have the number 31 overall class with seven commitments. Jackson Arnold is your five-star uh, Caleb Hicks is what your four star in there, and they've got uh, five of the three stars. So, OU currently the uh, number thirty one class. Like we've been saying for two months now, don't freak out. All right, I know the number thirty one scares a lot of people, but Oregon's got the thirty three, thirty uh, third ranked class. Michigan's at thirty five. Uh, LSU's at 42, A&M's at 43, Bama's all the way back at 47 on this list. So, yeah, is TCU ranked 14th right now? Sure. Is Minnesota at 10? Is Northwestern at 7? Is Cincinnati at 6? Is Texas Tech at 3? Yes, but all those things are going to change, and OU's on the verge of um, seemingly getting a couple more commitments here now that we're getting close to the month of July. So I, I'm, I'm not panicking not panicking at all, but uh, Ohio State today, Parker, they got a big-time commitment from five-star receiver Carnell Tate. Uh, what, Ohio State was in on that, Tennessee was in on that, Notre Dame was in on that, LSU was in on that. He is a Florida uh, Florida kid, and I think that bumped up Ohio State to the number two overall class, but that was a big, 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 big-time get today for Ohio State. Yeah, well, now that you've got Dylan Riola committed, the five-star quarterback in the class of 2024, and I've mentioned there is an outside chance that he ends up reclassifying into the class of 2023, you're going to see a whole wave of elite skill position talent head to Ohio State. Not only do you get Carnell Tate locked in, but I've always favored Ohio State for five-star wide receiver Brandon Innes, the former Oklahoma commit, kind of has felt like, for quite some time that Ohio State was in the best position to land him. So just two examples right there, and those might be the two best wide receivers overall in this entire class. Those two and Jalen Hale are certainly in the top tier for me. But, man, one thing Ohio State is never going to be hurting for is elite skill position nope. talent on the offensive side of the nope. ball. And now the question becomes – how do you bolster and how do you buttress that on the defensive side of the ball such that you're not just building Oklahoma North, at least Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma North at Ohio State uh, with Ryan Day and that offensive scheme. So if Ohio State can come along defensively in terms of their ability to recruit and develop and scheme, then they're going to remain the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. But until then, man, they, they can recruit all the five stars at wide receiver and at quarterback they want. I'm always going to be a little bit skeptical of that team's chances to make a legitimate run at a national I, title. I am, uh, I'm on record of saying it, man. Um, I, I am extremely skeptical of, OU, or, excuse me, of, of Ohio State winning a national championship in the next five years. I'm like you. I think that they're going to be the king of the north. I think that they're still going to continue to run the Big Ten. I think that they're going to be a regular player in the college football playoff. But I am I very much doubt their ability to play elite enough defense to break through and win a title. Has Ryan Day coached in a national championship game? Absolutely. He did get run by Alabama in that game, but he has made it to a national championship game. 
I just don't know, man. Ohio State's going to have elite quarterback play, wide receivers. They're going to have one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in college football in the next five years. But it's been shown, and Big Ten teams have shown it. You can run the football on Ohio State if you want to. Several teams were able to do that last year. And if teams can consistently run the ball on you, it's going to be hard to win a national championship. I'm just... If I had to buy or sell Ohio State in the next five years with Ryan Day winning a title, I think that I would probably sell on that, man. Um, I, I think that your national titles, Parker, are still pretty much maybe entirely um, going to come from the SEC unless Notre Dame has something to say about that. But I, I, I think Ohio State's going to be there in the playoff. I just I don't love their chances to break through with kind of the trend that they're showing defensively. No, I'm 100% with you. And, again... I think that what you're going to see exposed with Ohio State is exactly what you've seen exposed in the college football playoff time and time again with Oklahoma is that style of play can hold up in the Big Ten. It can hold up in the Big 12. But go toe-to-toe with an SEC opponent, and I think you'll find out pretty expediently that your brand of football is not going to hold up against SEC competition. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll get to more of your text coming up next. Yes, more OU baseball, more OU football, more Cruton as well. So keep it locked on the home of Sooner fans. We're the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, real quick in uh, recruiting over the weekend, Texas did host Arch Manning. Arch is the only quarterback Texas has offered in the 2023 class, so all of their eggs are in one basket for Arch Manning. Parker, apparently Arch was tied at the hip most of this weekend with current Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, so read into that what you will. And then uh, one of Arch's teammates, I guess what, yesterday, this weekend? Uh, his tight end, Will Randall, committed to the University of Texas. I think there's some crystal balls out for Arch Manning to UT. Um, are the Longhorns squarely in the lead here, or does uh, Georgia and Alabama still have a chance here down the stretch? What's uh, what's the current read after his uh, official to Austin? Yeah, so there are actually no crystal ball predictions at all for Arch Manning, but obviously the narrative for some time has been this is a two-man race a two-horse race between Georgia and Texas. Like, and, and am I the only one, Tyler, that just wants Arch Manning to go to Texas? No, we all do. Like, okay, okay, good, good, good. I'm glad everybody is thinking along the same lines that I'm thinking along because it would be so much fun to watch the consensus number one overall prospect in the nation go play quarterback at the University of che- uh, at the University of Texas and change nothing because you know that nothing is going to change no they can they can recruit an elite class heck they could finish with the number one class maybe arch manning has enough sway with five-star offensive talent whether in the trenches or at the skill positions that texas ends up with the number one overall recruiting class in the nation would anyone thinking with a level head actually be convinced that that would change anything for Texas football in the long run, would anyone actually be convinced that what you would get in terms of material return for your investment in recruiting Arch Manning is 
a return to glory? Yes, because, because they're, they're banking on that this year with the quarterback that's taken two college snaps with Quinn Ewers. The expectation will be for Arch Manning. Oh, my God, Arch Manning's going to bring Texas football back, which is fundamentally wrong because we around here who actually pay attention to the situation, have they needed better quarterback play during the decade of suck? Yes, it's been one of their issues, but it's not the issue. The issue is much deeper than an overrated quarterback in the 2023 class. Maybe Arch ends up being a good college quarterback. There's way more issues with the Texas football program than just that, and it all starts with culture. So the expectation, Parker, will be out of this world high for a guy that already has incredible pressure with his last name. I don't know if there's any realistic situation where he could live up to all that hype in Austin with the situation that's around him. And think about it, Tyler. Doesn't that make Arch Manning perfect for Texas? Yeah. Doesn't that make Arch Manning literally the prototypical face of Texas football? Yes. Yes. It's a a perfect marriage, right? Oh, because he has the last name of Manning, we are entitled as a program now to reclaim the glory days and be one of the you know uh, elite programs in college football. Now again, the, pro, the the issues are much deeper than that. I promise you, man. I promise you. If Arch goes to Texas, just like Peyton couldn't beat Florida, Arch is going to get owned by OU. Everyone makes the Florida Peyton Manning jokes because Tennessee never beat Florida. Uh, when he was there. It's going to be the same, man. Arch is going to get owned by Brent Venables and OU, and it's somehow, somehow going to make beating Texas that much sweeter. Just like it was really sweet. Wasn't beating Texas just a little bit sweeter when Chris Sims was the quarterback? Come on. You all remember calling him Chrissy Sims and seeing him and Roy Williams pat on the sideline. That was a good time. It's going to be like that all over again if Arch goes to UT. Okay, okay, hold up, hold up, Tyler. Hold up. I need you to rewind the clock for me a bit, because obviously this kind of predates me to a certain extent. But what was the specific beef with Chris Sims? Why was he so specifically detested? Well, they had Major Applewhite on campus at the time, which, I don't. I mean, Major Applewhite was never an elite quarterback, but he was a good player. I mean, he, he was... Major Applewhite was a, you know, he was a good quarterback, all right? He led the comeback uh, against OU in 99 when I, when OU was up. I think it was 17-0 in that game. But Chris Sims transferred from Tennessee, and since he's Phil Sims' son, he has all the measurables. He was built up kind of like Arch Manning here is, oh, he's Phil Sims' son. He has the last name. He's got the measurables. He's going to bring Texas football back. And I believe he never threw a touchdown pass against OU. So really, Parker, it was just Chris Sims was one of those guys that was just easy, easy, easy to hate. Because he was Phil Sims' dad, because of all the hype, because of how he played against OU, he was just a really, really easy target for OU fans. And it was a lot of fun. And I think maybe it was Steely back in the day that coined the whole Chrissy Sims thing, which OU fans really? relentlessly called him. I think it may have really? been. Really? I think it may have been Steely. Wow. Wow. Well, St- Steely is a man of influence. We know this much. But uh, I, I, you're essentially getting the sequel the new and better Chris Sims, in Arch Manning if he ends up in Texas. Because Arch Manning isn't just – he's not just 
uh, who it's it's Cooper that's his dad. I blanked for a second on what the other Manning brother's name is. Because he's not just Cooper's son, he's not just Archie's grandson. He's Peyton and Eli's nephew. He's li- like his family is the quarterback family. So the lineage does not start and end with his father the way that it did with Chris Sims. For Arch Manning, it's the, he is supposed to be the best quarterback that the fabled Manning dynasty has ever produced. Yeah. And so, yes, he is perfect for the University of Texas, and I hope he ends up there because I, I am on record saying it. I believe that if Arch Manning had any other last name, that he would be a highly regarded prospect, sure, but there's absolutely no way that he would be a five-star or the consensus number one player in America at the high school level. So I nothing would please me more than seeing him go to Texas and watching some of those flaws get exposed because it's about time that everyone squared with the reality of what they're getting in Arch Manning, which is he is, he is a good quarterback. I don't want to make this seem like a dig at him. Because he is a good quarterback. He has a lot of the physical tools, a lot of the intangibles that you look for in a Power 5 starter and a guy that could have a professional future beyond that. But the expectations were set unreasonably high for him. And that's not his fault. It's the fault of everybody that has made him out to be the consensus number one prospect in America because his last name is Manny. Sure. Hey, uh, Parker's in Omaha, by the way. Uh, Random question. I, I know, I mean, clearly there's a lot of Nebraska fans that are up there, and I'm sure that they, you know, like to go to this event at the College World Series every single year. Do you get the inkling that Nebraska fans are rooting for OU in this thing, or are they, or are they rooting for someone else? It's not like the options are great for Husker fans. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The, so the only Nebraska fan that I've really interacted with this weekend in Omaha was actually my old high school baseball coach. I, I put out a tweet about him. He played center field at Nebraska when they went to the College World Series in 2002 and 2005. And so he is a Husker through and through. And I met up with him yesterday during the game, and he said, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for Oklahoma. I want to see him win. They're a fun baseball team to watch. And so that is at least one Husker fan that is riding the Sooner Schooner for the remainder of this CWS. I don't know if that's a particularly – ubiquitous mindset among the the Husker fans throughout the state. But it is undeniable, Tyler, that this OU baseball team is more fun to watch than anybody else in the field. So if you're going to hop on a bandwagon, you might as well hop on the OU bandwagon. I'm going to guess Nebraska fans hate the SEC. The other side of the bracket is basically an SEC West tournament with Auburn, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, the three out of four teams over there. So, yeah, if Arkansas fans are rooting for – or, excuse me, Nebraska fans are rooting for anybody, I'm going to guess it's OU. Um, Does that help out in any way? I don't know. Probably not, but – it's interesting, nonetheless. All right, we got one final segment of Locked In coming up next. So keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked In with McComas and Thune brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems. They're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Give Elite Roofing Systems a call today, 405-361-3094 in Oklahoma City, Tulsa, 918-984-5475, or EliteRoofing.com. Quickly on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, Jimmy in Tulsa says, Boys, 
Glad to have Mr. McComas back, and Omaha was fantastic last night. I did see that Jimmy and a whole lot of other OU fans were in Omaha. Um, I, let us know about your Omaha experience, if this is your first time or if you were at the, uh, at the game last night, 405-651-3439. Do you have a preference if the championship series happens? Um, Arkansas, Ole Miss, probably going to be Arkansas or Ole Miss. You got a preference between either of those two to play in the championship oh, series? Give me Ole Miss, please, 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 anyone but Arkansas. Anyone but Why, because they're really annoying? I, 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 I can't deal with those Hog fans, man. I can't. Yeah. No part of me wants to. Like, even it, it would not even be worth it to me if Arkansas had another meltdown akin to 2018 when they let a foul pop drop for what would have been the third out of their first national title in baseball and then blew the lead to Oregon State. That wouldn't even do it for me. I can't handle the Hog fans calling the Hogs incessantly. Oh, you mean like Travis Davidson? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yes, yes, like Travis Davidson. Thankfully, he's not a real Hog fan. But (laughs) he sure looked like one. I, I, I can't with those fans, man. I can't. And I'm sure they're fine people. I'm not saying they're not, but that just gets so mm. obnoxious and it grinds my gears very, very quickly. It, so it is obnoxious. I am, yeah, I am hoping for Arkansas to get eliminated. I am actually hoping for Arkansas. Um, I am with you. They are obnoxious. They are extremely annoying. It would be highly annoying if their first baseball national championship comes up against OU because they wouldn't shut up about it. But beating those guys, uh, I mean, beating Ole Miss, sure, that'd be fun, future SEC opponent, Auburn, Stanford, whatever. Beating Arkansas fans for being such a big baseball school, I don't know, that would be pretty sweet. It would be awesome. All right, that, that, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.